Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it again. They beat the San Antonio Spurs. They blow them out for the third time. They didn't just win all three games. They blew them out all three times. The Jazz have the Spurs number. And they showed it last night, a dominating performance. End of the first quarter, start of the second. They blew the game open, and it was over. A 7-0 run to close the first quarter. They scored the first 10 points of the second quarter, and that game was finished. San Antonio was beaten, and nothing was going to change that. They played the rest of the game. The starters were all out for the fourth quarter. It was uh, really, as a Jazz fan, everything everything you could want. You know, they were up they were up by twenty four points at halftime. They were just thumping the Spurs, and you know we don't know what's going to happen with the playoffs. Um, you know, the Jazz and the Suns are going to be teams one and two, but we don't know the order. The Clippers and Nuggets are going to be team three and four, but we don't know the order. Portland. The Lakers and the Mavericks, uh, those three teams are five, six, seven right now, but they're only separated by a half game. So, you know, we just don't know who's going to be where. We don't know who's going to play who. Um, But if you could wish for anything, you could wish for the Spurs, who are in 10th place, to win two games in the playoffs, be in the play-in tourney, be the eighth seed and play the Jazz. Because I know the the Jazz... They did really well against the Grizzlies this year, and the Grizzlies could end up being eight, you know, if the Jazz are one. The Grizzlies could end up being seven. Who knows? There's there's so many ifs out there, it's impossible to even consider them all right now. But, holy cow, the Jazz and the Spurs in the best four out of seven first-round series? Yeah, every Jazz fan would sign off on that. That thing would be over pretty quick. The Jazz rolled the, the keys to the game, a couple things. One, the, the defense was really good. Nothing easy for the Spurs. And sure enough, they, um, you know, they, they struggled to get 20 points in a quarter. Uh, they, they got there. They get, you know, what, a 40, what do they have at halftime, 42, something like 40. They had 43 Monday at halftime. It was the same kind of deal. They're in the low 40s. And that's not going to win NBA games. It's not going to do it, you know. And so everyone pointed to that. Um, Bojan, and you'll hear him coming up the post game, said the ability to, defense, to defend well and then get the defensive rebound and run. They had a lot of buckets in transition. They had a lot of buckets in the first seven seconds. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't the outlet pass, the outlet pass, and the dunk. It was more bring it up court. The Spurs struggled to match up with the Jazz, and they would get good shots. The Spurs' defense was too soft. There was... There's one play in the third quarter that um, Royce O'Neal got a rebound, kind of tipped the ball to himself behind him. He spun around, grabbed it in the lane, saw Joe Ingles ahead on the right side, threw it to him. Joe comes into the front court on two or three dribbles, and Royce just runs to kind of like free throw line extended on the left side. Joe just throws in the ball and hits three. And it looked like, did one of the Spurs fall down? No, they had all five guys back, and no one matched up with Royce. What are you doing, guys? So some of what the Jazz did was them playing well. Some of it was the Spurs screwing up. Um, and then the Jazz hit open shots. And they're, um, the two guys who really stood out, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson, they combined to go 22 of 29. That's 76%. Who does that? <laughs> and yet you had two guys doing it. Jordan got 30 points in like 25 minutes. Uh, Bogdanovich hit, I think, 24 points in 26 minutes. Uh, n- nobody played more than Bogey's 26 minutes. Gobert only played 22. The Jazz defense was great, and, and Gobert only played 22 minutes. 
it was just too easy for the Jazz. But that's the way their schedule looks down the stretch here. Um, they've they've got some. They get teams worse than the Spurs on the schedule. They still play the Rockets. They still play the Thunder. They still play the Kings. All three of those teams are behind the Spurs in the standings. Uh, none of those three teams is anywhere near thinking about going to the playoffs. Not even as a ten seed in the playing game, and they're they're done. They're just playing out the string. So for the Jazz down the stretch, you know, we saw Denver coming and all that. Well, with this win now, the Jazz if they go three and three in their last six games, Denver can't catch them. So and neither can the Clippers. So the two seed, although it's not locked up yet, it, it looks like a certainty. You know, they have to go three and three if Denver goes undefeated. If the Clippers go undefeated, um, and the and the three wins totally look doable. <laughs> They got they got three terrible teams on their schedule. So, so really it comes down to Jazz and Suns. And the Suns loss last night really predictable after the game in Cleveland. They went to Atlanta and got blown out. You know, late third, early fourth quarter, the thing just started getting away from them. And they didn't have the energy to get it back. Chris Paul was like three for eleven shooting the ball. Booker was really the only guy who scored it like you would expect him to score it. So they get beat, and, and honestly, the same thing happened to Cleveland. Cleveland got blown out. I mean, they gave up respectively 141 and 135 points. You know, they played an overtime game the night before. They both had to go back-to-back, and neither one had enough in the tank. Uh, the Cleveland game doesn't matter so much to the Jazz, but the Suns game certainly does, and Atlanta's good. Atlanta has turned it around with the Nate McMillan hire midseason as their coach. They're 23-10 in the last 33 games, so that's a— Win percentage that puts you high fifties, maybe close to sixty wins, maybe in a full season if you could sustain it. It's been a really good run for Atlanta. Twenty three and ten is real impressive. That is very impressive, and they got a tired Suns team on the second night of a back to back after an overtime game, and they really took it to them in the second half, which is when teams usually run down. You know, you can you can get through the first half. You might slip a little going to halftime. Halftime, you get your you know, you, you get a chance to catch your breath. You come out and play five, six, seven good minutes of basketball, and by the middle of the third quarter, it's usually getting away, and it got away. So now the Suns have the tiebreaker, but it doesn't do them any good right now. They're a game behind the Jazz. So the question is, can the Jazz finish with the same record as the Suns? And the Suns have got, uh, I think, four of the last six on the road. they got to back it back in San Antonio. So it's not, it's not all that easy. It's not going to be all that easy. Really, really intriguing game coming up for the Jazz on Friday. On paper, look and all on paper, right? One crazy, ridiculous NBA upset. One outlier of a score could change a playoff race with the Jazz and Suns for 1-2, or the Nuggets and Clippers for 3-4, or the 5-6-7 mashup with the Mavericks, the Lakers, and the Blazers. But on paper, this looks like the Jazz' toughest game. This looks like the big game for the Jazz. You know, can they handle the Nuggets? If they get that, then the Suns are really going to shudder. <laughs> the Suns are not going to, they are not going to be happy because this is the one they need the Jazz to lose and this is the one they ought to lose. The Jazz are shorthanded. Now, Denver is too, you know. Jamal Murray's out, but the Jazz are down two, you know, two guards. So, with both uh, Conley and Mitchell, assuming that they're still out, um, they were on the sideline cheering like crazy, you know, and going nuts, and the Jazz didn't need them against the Spurs, but you kind of assume they will against the Nuggets. Um, but maybe the Jazz just really hit the groove and, and found a good place. You know, the, they've got a three-game win streak here, which is the first three-game win streak they've had in, in weeks. Um, 
But it's against two teams, you know, the Raptors struggling to get in and the Spurs trying to hold on to the 10th spot in the West. So it's not like they've been beating the best competition. The Nuggets are a big step up in that regard, even without Jamal Murray. Nuggets won. Uh, They beat the Knicks last night at home, so neither team will be going back-to-back Friday. The Nuggets are 10-2 and in their last 12 games. Um, So, But we can obsess more about that game on Friday. I think right now for Jazz fans, it's just enjoying how fun it was to dominate the Spurs. And it was just, it was so easy. And with the Suns losing, as expected, going back-to-back in Cleveland and Atlanta, coming off an overtime game, the Jazz now have a one-game lead. They got a one-game lead in the race for the best record in the NBA. Uh, one game over the Suns with six to go. And three total gimmies. You know, the Suns have some gimmies built into their schedule, too. But um, not as many. So we'll see if the Jazz can can pull it off. But that was a heck of a performance. And it wasn't just those two guys shooting the ball. Bogey and, and Clarkson shot it well. But a lot of guys played well. As Bogey said, they defended well, ran the floor, and the starters didn't have to play. Uh, didn't have to play many minutes. You know, all the starters playing between 22 and 26 minutes. Joe Ingles will join us later today. He had 14 points, and he had seven assists. She also mentioned Clarkson had four assists. He's passed the ball really well lately. I don't know what's clicking in for him. Last seven games, he's averaging a little over four assists a game. It's like 4.1, 4.2, something like that. Um, So Clarkson's got it going. He's finding other guys. And he had a quote you'll hear coming up in the postgame where uh, he talks about other teams are tipping their hand with their scouting reports. He definitely had this confident look in his eye, his body language and all that. Like, they're throwing stuff at me, but I know we can handle it. You know, we prep for a lot of it. I've seen a lot of it. The coaches get me uh, get me up to speed on what the options are, what needs to be done, and we can do it. And he doesn't he doesn't say it in those words, but the way he talked about it and the way he kind of grinned when he talked about they're showing their hand early. You know, by the time you get into the second half, you know what the other team's going to do. So we'll see if that holds when they're playing better teams and playing better teams. You know, multiple nights in a row in a best four out of seven playoff series, but. Whole lot of confidence in Jordan Clarkson's body language, that's for sure. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up, we got Michael Lev, uh, covers the Arizona Wildcats in uh, Tucson, and they play both the Utes and the Cougars this year, so we'll get uh, get the lowdown from him, and then we'll get the best of the post-game show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, and it's time to welcome in Michael Lev. He covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star BYU plays Arizona in season opener. The Utes will have their traditional South Division clash with Arizona later in the season. So Ute and Cougars gather around the radio and let's see what we can learn about the Wildcats as they try to pull off a bounce-back season. Michael, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you? We are doing, we are doing well. Can the same be said of the Wildcats? Because the last time we saw them, they were getting absolutely pummeled by Arizona State. Coaching change... Everything's brand new. Is uh, is Jedfish changing the just the whole energy and vibe around the program? Because it seems like if that doesn't happen, then everything else is a waste of time. 
he is and he has. Um, there's a, it's just a different kind of feel to everything under Jed Fish. Um, things are very open. Um, there's a, an undercurrent of optimism around here, um, which is uh, great. It's refreshing, needed. Uh, no one talks about that um, terrible territorial cup experience. Um, who, who would want to talk about it here? Um, it was pretty much, uh, you know, a nightmare. Um, but maybe it was necessary because um, change happened afterward. And thus far, um, the, the change has been positive. Uh, you know, things could change, of course, again, uh, once they take the field against BYU, if, if um, that game is, is a blowout loss, uh, people will start, you know, maybe talking about, you know, personnel and what, what's wrong with Arizona football and that sort of thing again. But for now, it's all about um, how different things are, different looking offense, different approach to spring practice, um, open practices, uh, involvement of the community, turning things around. I mean, everything is sort of is pushing uh, in a positive direction. Well, Michael, as an ASU grad myself, I talk about 70 to 7 every day. So I, I, I enjoy taking it. I just have a TV downstairs. It's just on constant rerun. It just starts from the beginning and goes to the end. I, I turn it off when Jackson He scores that last touchdown, and then I go to bed. Uh, but following the Wildcats uh, and what they've been doing, certainly Fish has been uh, bringing in a lot of energy, but it was hard not to because Sumlin was a big old downer and his team sucked and all that. So you still have to have players, and with that in mind, let's just start right at the quarterback. We know Gunnell took off, transferred out, and so in spring they had a couple local guys, Gunnar Cruz, I think he start, uh, was at Washington State and then transferred in, and then Will Plummer's up from the Phoenix area. But they, and both those guys were in spring ball. But they also have Jordan McLeod, who is a uh, coming over as a South Florida transfer. And I think he has like uh, 15, 16, 17 starts. So he's got some experience, not necessarily for a great team. But as far as quarterback, where do you think it stands? Yeah, it's wide open still. Um, Gunnar Cruz, uh, who's from Arizona, uh, he did transfer in in March jumped right into the quarterback competition in spring. He and Will Plummer went back and forth uh, throughout spring camp. And, I mean, I would have said maybe halfway through spring that Gunnar Cruz was ahead and was the favorite for the job. But then Will Plummer, who had hit kind of a, a wall at one point, he rallied in a pretty significant way, and he closed that gap. And I'd say the two of them are neck and neck at the moment. And then – you bring Jordan McLeod into the mix, and he's going to be given every opportunity to win the job. So I don't think we're very close at all to figuring out who that is. Um, it's a big transition for pretty much any um, high school or transferring quarterback because very different system than what these guys are used to. Um, I was just watching some highlights of Jordan McLeod the other day, and he's, you know, he's running a spread down there. And South Florida, he's in the shotgun all the time. Um, you know, when they do a play-action fake, it's that little, you know, kind of dip the ball down and take a step back. When they do a play-action fake in this offense, I mean, it is, you know, NFL style. You're under center. You're turning your back to the defense. 
you're taking five and seven step drops. Um, there's a lot of uh, different mechanics that are involved in that. Um, it's there's different verbiage that's involved, um, and you, know, you saw the the, the growing pains uh, with the two quarterbacks who were here uh, in spring. Uh, both of them kind of had their moments of kind of indecisiveness, hesitation, where you could just tell that they're thinking about a lot of stuff out there and not playing freely. And it wasn't kind of until the end of spring that Will Plummer started to, to really open up and play freely um, and, and use his natural ability uh, where it was kind of becoming muscle memory. Um, and that's kind of the, I don't know, that's the, the kind of the common theme for every one of the quarterbacks as we head into summer and into training camp is how do they handle that transition to a very different uh, pro-style offense. So at running back, uh, Brightwell's gone off to the Giants now. Uh, Michael Wiley played a little bit in the spring, but not a lot. Uh, you wrote a thing about Bam Smith. What, what's happening at running back? How is this going to sort itself out? Yeah, I think they're fine there. Uh, again, probably the deepest team uh, position uh, on the team, even with you know, even losing a couple of, you know, I, I guess I'll call them NFL guys the last two years. You know, J.J. Taylor wasn't drafted, but he made the Patriots and played a little bit last year. And then Gary Brightwell was selected by the Giants. Um, still have Michael Wiley, who looked good uh, last season. Uh, as kind of the, you know, the number two behind Brightwell. Um, they brought in Drake Anderson, a transfer from Northwestern, who has a lot of college experience and it is a little different style of runner. He's a little bit more uh, nifty and shifty. Um, they also have Jalen John, who's a second-year freshman, who's a bigger kid, uh, maybe in the 225-pound range, uh, brings some power to the position. Um, Stevie Rocker, a freshman from here in Tucson, looked really good in spring. Um, the guys who cover high school sports here told me that he looked better in spring practice than he ever did in high school uh, while he was playing uh, for, for Canyon Del Oro here because he was healthy and he seldom was during his prep career. And they have another kid coming in, James Bowles uh, from uh, Orange County, California, who just had a really good spring uh, uh, in their you know shortened season that they had out there. So I think plenty of running backs, and I think the important thing to note is that th- that's going to be a very important kind of foundational piece uh, for this offense. Uh, they're going to do a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of rollout. And in order to make those plays effective, you need to run the ball. I think Jed Fish recognizes that. Um, it's also a way to make things easier on a new quarterback and make things easier on an offensive line group that really struggled last season. So, relatively speaking, their their offense obviously was better than their defense because their defense was literally last in just about every category uh, in the Pac-12 for sure. And as I look at the defense this year, uh, there's the the transfer thing. It's like if you don't keep up to it every day, you're going to miss guys. And I know they got Malik Reed, a transfer from uh, Wisconsin, I think, just here very recently. And they also got some other linebacker transfers and Hayward and Roberts. So I think they probably set at linebacker. Uh, secondary, 
maybe safety they're okay, cornerbacks, uh, a little bit of depth issues there. Uh, what is going on as far as how much are they bolstering transfers defensively combined with the players that they have? Yeah, definitely some fresh blood uh, coming in on that side of the ball, which is needed. Um, a couple transfers that you mentioned from the MAC, uh, Trayshawn Hayward from Western Michigan. He was the 2019 uh, MAC Defensive Player of the Year, so um, really good pedigree there. Jerry Roberts coming in uh, from Bowling Green. I would expect both of those guys to be immediate starters uh, at linebacker alongside Anthony Candy. Um, pretty good depth at that position. Uh, depth elsewhere is kind of questionable still, um, even with the guys that they've brought in. Um, I thought the, the front-line defense looked good in spring, and for the most part, you know, they won the majority of the battles against the offense. It's, you know, it's what happens when you get a few injuries. And uh, that's, you know, that's the difficulty when you're Arizona, you're, you're not Alabama. You know, you don't have uh, four and five star guys waiting on the bench. So uh, this coaching staff has really gone about trying to build up, you know, the bottom portion of the roster, really trying to improve that depth. It's got several um, preferred walk-ons coming in who had uh, offers from schools, um, which is a good thing. They've utilized the transfer portal heavily, and I think they're going to continue to do so in the future. I think most schools are going to continue to do so in the future. Like It wouldn't surprise me moving forward here if the composition of Arizona's recruiting classes was something like you know, 15 high school players and 10 kids from the transfer portal. It further wouldn't surprise me if a lot of teams who are kind of on that level uh, did the same thing. It's just, it's just how things are now. Um, it's going to be a prominent part of team building um, moving forward. So I look at Arizona's schedule, and there's no Stanford, and there's no Oregon State. And the non-conference is BYU on a neutral side, followed by San Diego State and NAU at home. How much progress can Arizona make getting back to 500? Are the pieces of the puzzle there, or is this going to be a rough year? There's going to be a lot of building done, but the record isn't going to reflect any progress. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to go from you know a 12-game losing streak and 0-5 season to six and six, which, you know, I think would be considered above and beyond um, expectations. Um, so I, the honeymoon period, I think, is going to be longer for Jed Fish than it was for Kevin Sumlin because of the state of program uh, that, that each guy inherited. Remember, when Kevin Sumlin came in, they had Khalil Tate kind of at the height of his powers. They were seven and six the previous year. I mean, it wasn't viewed as a rebuilding project at that time. Maybe we were all fooled because of how good Tate was during that one stretch. Um, but, you know, they were favored in their opener against BYU, I believe, by double digits. Um, and that was probably right where the honeymoon period ended. They lost that game. You know, Tate didn't run. The offense didn't look good. It was kind of downhill from there. Um, they are not going to be favored in this matchup against BYU. Um, a lot of people think that you know they're going to struggle to beat San Diego State. 
uh, in week two, even though that game is here and, you know, it's a G5 team. Um, I think that, you know, something in the range of four and eight is what we might be looking at in year one under Jed Fish. But if they're able to do that, if they're competitive and, you know, they're able to, to beat ASU at the end of the season, I think that would be viewed as a positive considering where they where they're coming from. Um, so it's, it's kind of all tied into, you know, w- what happened before. And when you've lost 12 games in a row, um, you know, not a lot is, is expected out of you. And the only thing that, you know, Judd Fish has referred to as far as record goes or expectations or how he would define success is he just wants, he just wants Arizona to be a tough out each each week. You know, the toughest team that anyone faces in the Pac-12. And the results kind of are what they are. I actually like their receivers uh, as a group. We don't know who's going to be throwing to them, but I think they got a decent set of receivers, although Joyner, one of their better ones, I understand had some foot surgery and probably is going to miss that BYU game. Yeah, Jamari Joyner had a Jones fracture in his foot last spring and then toward the end of this spring he had a recurrence um, of the fracture uh, which I guess happens uh, in a certain percentage of cases and he's going to be out for a while um, he conceivably could, could miss the beginning of the regular season uh, we'll see you know, just super talented player maybe an NFL caliber player um, not something that you want to rush back from um, I like the you know kind of the top end quality of that group. I'm not sure the quantity is quite where um, they want it to be. However, um, they don't play nearly as many three and four wide receiver sets as they did um, before. Um, tight end is a legitimate and prominent part of this offense. There are a lot of two tight end sets involved, and when you do that, you know you really only need two receivers on the field. So. Um, they're able to kind of mitigate um, the lack of, of depth a little bit in that regard. Um, Stanley Berryhill, I would say, was probably the MVP of spring uh, on offense, and he was their leading receiver a year ago. Um, and he's the guy, um, I think, who's going to be leading that group this year, no matter who the quarterback is. Well, Michael, we appreciate the uh, the time, the perspective on the rebuild in Arizona, and look forward to seeing the Wildcats play the local teams a couple times this year. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. There's Michael Lev, Arizona Daily Star, talking Wildcat football, and both BYU and Utah will get a crack at the U of A, and we'll see how they handle those guys when we get to college football season. But we're in the stretch run here. The Jazz got a big win. Just blew the Spurs out in the first half. Just blew them off the court. It was even worse than the Monday game, which is hard for me to believe. I didn't see it coming. We'll get to the best of the postgame show next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz blow out the Spurs. I thought with a day off to get ready and, and having played the Jazz, San Antonio could come with a little better, little better effort and be more competitive, and none of that was true. Well, the part about having the rest was true, but the game wasn't competitive, and the Jazz owned the Spurs in the first half, just blew them off the floor. It was even worse than it was Monday. Hard to believe, but true. Here is the best of the postgame show. Final in Vivint Arena, the Jazz blow out the San Antonio Spurs 126-94 last night in a game, frankly, it wasn't even that close. Jazz led by 24 at the break. Uh, the starters, no starter went more than 26 minutes. It was a blowout, and the Jazz win both games here at Vivint Arena against the San Antonio Spurs. Post-game recap, let's start with the head coach of the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder. Alrighty, uh, we'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn. So uh, tonight, Jordan and Bogey go a combined 22 of 29 from the field. Can you just speak to uh, what was working so well for them that they could have that efficient of a night? Well, I think both those guys, you know, are capable of doing that. And there's some nights when, you know, it's going in and some nights when it isn't. Um, You know, tonight obviously was – it was going in, but I think both of them are making quick decisions, you know, when they, when they receive the ball and they're managing, you know, not to necessarily to play, to play in a crowd um, because they're making quick reads, good, good decisions, you know, when to shoot, when to drive, when to pass. All right. Kristen Kenny at Jazz TV. Coach, how do you feel about your team's rhythm right now? Well, you know, I just think we're, we're trying to execute and we're trying to compete. And um, those two things, you know, create, create rhythm. Um, so, you know, every, every time I, I come out and I, I thought we competed, especially after, you know, playing a team for the second time, um, sometimes that becomes more challenging. And same thing, I, I thought our execution, you know, was good tonight. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When I was just going to ask about that being the second time you've played this team in three days, that does require a level of execution that's maybe at, at a different level because they kind of know what's coming a little bit. Did you see that level of execution tonight? Um, yeah, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for us, really from an execution standpoint, is defensively. And, you know, I thought we did, you know, did a, a good job there, making sure shots were contested you know, doing our best to keep them off the foul line. Um, there was a stretch where, you know, they had a few offensive rebounds, which is, you know, obviously, as you know, been an emphasis. But um, other than the, the, the first part of the third quarter where we uh, we turned the ball over a couple times, and I, I think out of that timeout, you know, we began to execute again. And a lot of that for us is just having the discipline and the commitment to running and spacing and, and then sharing the ball. So it's – a you know, that, that that's execution in, in many respects, and it's usually reflected when, you know, we're able to get, get good shots. All right, last question, Dana Green, ABC4. Coach, um, being down a couple guys, how uh, important was it that nobody played more than 26 minutes? I mean, this is a tough stretch you're going through right now, and you're able to, you know, get, get the bench guys some play and, and, like I said, not have your main guys go too long. Well, you know, we've, we were fortunate to, to shoot the ball well. Um, 
you know, sometimes there's nights like that, as you mentioned, you know, with Boyan and, and Jordan, you know, just shooting the lights out. And, you know, as, as much as anything, you know, we, we're just trying to compete and execute. I don't know at this point in the year, you know, you obviously want to try to stay fresh, but um, right now to me, it's, it's more of an emotional thing as well as you get towards the end of the year. Um, you know, being able to play through fatigue, really, no matter how many minutes you have, just playing the right way. That's Quinn Snyder addressing the media as the Jazz get the victory final in this one, 126 to 94. Two stars tonight came to play. It was Boyan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson. Let's start with Boyan Bogdanovich, who played 26 minutes, 10 of 13 from the field, and had 24 points, and afterwards talked about the big game. We'll start off with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Boyan. So you obviously have been, you know, kind of on a tear these last uh, couple of weeks, but it seems like you took it to another level, especially early tonight, whether it was post-ups or finding those seams to the rim. What have you been feeling like in general? And then what were you seeing out there tonight that, that got you off to such a hot start? I mean, I'm, I'm feeling pretty well personally. I'm, I'm just trying to, to be aggressive. I know the team's need me to score more without without especially Donovan but he averaged more than more than 25 points so the game was was great once again for us our defense was on a point they get out they get out with uh with energy but uh but we were we were kind of more focused more more aggressive we control we control defensive board that allow us to to run to run more and and, and have a have easy buckets we kind of they start to go under on our on our screen, so Joe really really punished them with a with a couple threes. So great game. All right, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV is next. Hey Bogey, it's hard to face a team two times in a row and execute the way you guys did on both occasions. How do you feel about your team's rhythm overall right now? Where you guys are at as you go down the stretch? I mean, our rhythm is it's, it's great right now. Right now, we kind of figure out how to play without without Donovan and Mike. We are trying to to run more, but uh, but we need those two guys to get a to get a rhythm back because they they are like two most important players for the for our team probably with uh, with Rudy as well. So so we need them to to get their rhythm back. But uh, until they get back, we are we are trying and we are doing pretty pretty good job. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned needing to score a little bit more on since Donovan is out. I'm, we talked to you a bit in, early in the season about how you were struggling a little bit and trying to find your footing after coming back from the injury and not feeling like yourself. Do you think that with Donovan out and having to take on a bigger role that it's kind of gotten you back into a little bit more of your rhythm? I mean, yes, for sure, but I, I would love to to have him back on a, on on the floor with us so so he get he get ready for the for the playoffs like i said like i said before but with him with him out i know that i'm going to have a more shot than i than i used to have this season so so i can be a little bit patient i don't have to hunt my shot and then take take bad shots so so i'm kind i'm playing kind of kind of relaxed but it's also good for me to get my my confidence back and and, and be ready for the for the playoffs next up in anderson ksl sports 
boy, on your finishing has just gotten a lot better uh, as the season has gone on. Is that touch? Is that something that went away after you hurt your wrist? Is it just needing to be on the court more? What is it? I mean, I, I was working all the time uh, on my finishes. I know that I was I was struggling big time around the rim, so that also caused me missing missing the three point shot because I didn't have a I didn't make those around the rim, so I didn't have a confidence to to, to shoot a three. So those those easy basket, buckets are falling down right now, and then I'm I'm also shooting better for for three when I get in a game on on, on that wave. So I'm 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 trying to. Trying to work hard, but also I think that it confidence is it's it's everything for 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 every player in 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 this league. So I'm I'm getting my my confidence back. Dana Green, ABC Four. Hey, Boyan, you guys have had uh, strong first quarters before and then not so much in the second or third, but tonight you guys really kept your foot on the gas. Uh, uh, was that kind of talked about? Like we're up twenty, let, let's let's drive this up to forty. I mean, every every single team in this league got a got a quality, so it's 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 tough to beat to beat the team by, by by thirty, no matter if you are up by by twenty twenty five. So so we are trying to play the the same way. We had a couple couple easy easy turnovers in the uh, beginning of the of the second half. They they punished us in in a fast break, but after after that we had a we had a run. 15-0 or 18-4, I, I cannot remember. So, so we were we were playing the, the same way, but but the other team, the other team got a also also quality and, and great players. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Oh yeah, and you guys were really efficient in offensive transition tonight, scoring a lot of early baskets. What's the key for you guys when you're when you're getting those and getting efficient looks early on in the possession, rather than you know sometimes maybe some shots are forced or you know that kind of thing? I mean, we are trying we are trying to run like like I said, our, our defense was, was great last these two games against San Antonio, so we had opportunities. To run, like I said, we had a uh, Joe had a couple easy easy buckets at the beginning of the of the game, with them going under under on on, on his screens and 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 then they had a uh, they had their bigs way back. So so we were we were pretty pretty efficient, like you said. I mean, just trying to to play faster. All right, last question, Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Bobby, what's been the secret to your post-up being so successful lately? And how do you kind of decide when to post up? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to find uh, to find the matchups. I got a great chemistry with, uh, with Joe, especially. He's trying to to put me down down on the post and, and, and involve me more. So today they were trying to double me. I had, a, I had one or two turnovers, so it was... It was it was different game, but uh, but yeah, I'm just like I said, I'm trying to, to find myself easy easy buckets. So I'm trying to do whatever whatever it takes. So I can I, I used to pause before a lot. So the team is, is coach and team is trying to to get me involved more over there because we don't have we don't have many many post up players right now. All right, that's Boyan Bogdanovich, 24 points. Also had a couple rebounds as well as two steals and an assist. Did turn it over five times, but let's be honest, really didn't matter that much. Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, 30 points on 12 of 16 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. Also went to the free throw line five times, went 4 of 5, had six rebounds, and also dished out four assists. And again, continues to play well and again talked about his performance and the team performance overall in the postgame show. We will start with Matt Coles, AP. 
Hey, Jordan, Bogey just said that confidence is the key to any you know, player's game. What steps do you take to regain your confidence after you've been in a slump? Uh, I ain't even – I mean, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. Uh, I think we talked about it early this morning. I forgot who it was, but they kind of asked me something like that. Uh, like I said, I'm a hooper. I'm going sh- to shoot my shots. You know, they're going to go in sometimes. They're going to – you're going to miss. It's part of the game. You know, uh, slumps is part of what happens, you know, throughout a long season. Um, you know, just it is what it is. You know, I keep my head down, keep grinding, keep taking the shots that are there, uh, keep trying to make the plays. And um, when they fall, you know, it feels good. But, you know, I'm always confident. I'm always going to take those shots and, uh, you know, keep it rolling. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Jordan, uh, through a lot of the early part of the season, um, Donovan especially would say to us that, you know, it's not about what, how you're playing in January, February, February, more about how you're playing in April, May and heading into the playoffs. I mean, I know you guys are playing without him right now, but uh, is tonight kind of a representation of what he was talking about? Like, this is how you want to be playing at this point in the season? Oh, uh, yeah, especially defensively. I feel like we really locked in. Um you know, took the game plan, our coverages and everything, you know, really, uh, you know, really, you know, really serious and really locked in on that. And, uh, you know, you see the, the the deficit, you know, that we had them down and stuff like that. Uh, it's just us locking in and really focusing on the small things, little details uh, that coach puts us in. And then offensively, uh, we just kept keep doing what we're doing all year, you know, moving the ball, sharing the ball, spacing and, and shooting threes. But, um you know, we just got to keep continuing to lock in on those uh, small things, especially getting late in the year. I think we have, what, five, six more games left. Uh, we just kind of tune it up these these last ones and uh, get ready for that time. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune is next. Jordan, you had that pretty awesome third quarter, including that shot near the end of the quarter where you just had that contortionist throw it up to beat the clock one that went in. I know you said that you're you're a hooper and you're always going to shoot your shots and stay confident. But on a night like tonight, when you're being that efficient, does it feel different? Can you tell when you're just in a total groove like that? I mean, when you see the ball go through the net early in the game, and you know a good flow to the game, uh, definitely is a a good feeling about it. Um, you know, wants you to keep making plays and 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 keep it rolling. So definitely was feeling good for the shots to go in. Uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of these games that, you know, that I've been, you know, in a slump or whatever, um, you know, a lot of a lot of them just rolling out and, you know, missing, you know, they're right on point. So, you know, that's why I said I'm just going to keep taking them and, and keep playing. You know, coach wants us to play this style, um, keep doing what we're doing. So, you know, that's all I could do. Uh, Maxime Lagorge, uh, free agent out of France. Um, how do you explain the fact that they don't double you tonight, even if the league know you are the free, the, you are free in this team? Uh, say that again. Uh, why is it don't double you uh, in defense on you, even uh, if you are free? Oh, uh, you talking about the defense? Yes, on you. Oh, when they, uh, you know, it's just making the plays. You know, you see, um, I'm trying to get off the ball when, you know, teams are, you know, doubling, sending defenses uh, at me. I think Toronto played a box of one for a second. It was weird. Um, 
you know, guys are blitzing me off the off the handoffs, but I'm trusting my teammates, making the plays, making the next one, making the next pass. Um, you know, I've been seeing a lot of uh, game planning and, you know, a lot of stuff in this uh, second half of the season since All-Star break. So, um, definitely tuning it up for this uh, playoffs and, and uh, you know, seeing what they what they showing early. Uh, a lot of a lot of teams showing their hands a little early on on game planning, but uh, I'll be ready for it when it's time. All right, Dana Green, ABC Four. Hey Jordan, another uh, fast start for you guys. Thirty-eight points in the first quarter. What was the key of keeping that uh, that pedal to the metal and and blowing this thing wide open? Uh, just keep continuing what we're doing. Like I said, we locked in defensively, really. Um, rotating, talking, communicating, shrinking the floor makes the game so much easier for us when we when we play it fast and in transition, you know, because we can all get in the paint and make plays. And then it's this, the floor is just spread because we got so many guys that can shoot the ball. Um, big thing for us is Trent is really coming along uh, these, these, these last games and really playing at a good pace and uh, making the right plays and doing that. And then Mie comes in with this – this uh, amazing energy and crashing the glass. And last game, he do, dove on the floor like three times. I haven't seen that in the NBA game in a long time. So um, it's definitely good to see these young guys out here running, um, playing hard. And it's, it's that's big for us uh, going into this stretch, uh, these last games. All right. And last question, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Speaking of crashing the glass, you did have six rebounds yourself tonight. I know coach is always preaching rebounding. Is that more of a focus for you? Um, yeah, you know, he kind of got on us, um, you know, really hard on that, you know, because we know teams are crashing the glass and um, we know Rudy's coming over to block shots. We know we got to box bigger guys out. So, um, you know, we just all, all – really focused on it. It's a whole team effort. And, um, you know, I'm getting some of those long rebounds that are kind of rolling uh, after Rudy tips him a few times or Faves tips him a few times. And, you know, we off to the races after that. So um, we're just doing a good job of concentrating on that. And, um, you know, we just got to keep take it to another level. So there's your Jazz recap. Great performances from Boyan Bogdanovich as well as Jordan Clarkson and, of course, Quinn Snyder leading the way. Jazz will have a night off tonight before playing against the Denver Nuggets. A big one coming up on Friday. Jazz got a little help as well as the Atlanta Hawks ended up blowing out the Phoenix Suns of the Jazz all by themselves in the top spot of the Western Conference. Back with you on Friday night, it's the Jazz and the Nuggets, and you'll hear it right here on the Zone Sports Network. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.